Welcome to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists. I'm Sarah. And I'm Gabby. And we are two first-year physical therapy students sharing our grad school experiences to help PT students around the world. Embark on this journey with us as we navigate through the insanity of physical therapy school together. Looking for a gift for a friend, classmate, professor, co-host of a podcast, or really anyone? Physiomemes got your back with apparel, drinkware, and home decor. And if you go to physiomemes.com, you can get a 20% off coupon with the code gratitude, spelled G-R-A-D-I-T-U-D-E-2020. And don't forget to check out his social media for a good study break laugh. As always, make life humorous. In this episode, we chat with Aaron Horshig of Squat University, and he talks more about his journey through PT and his experience through PT school, as well as how to develop your why. He also has written one book called The Squat Bible and has some really exciting things coming in the future. Yeah. And when we had interviewed him, it was what, I think the day before or two days before he had just hit a million followers on Instagram, which is such a cool accomplishment. And of course it's not about the followers, but so cool to see how his business has grown in the last couple of years. So hope you guys enjoy this episode with Aaron. Welcome to another episode of gratitude, everyone. So today we have a very special guest with us today. And we have Aaron on. Um, hello, Aaron. Thanks for coming on the podcast. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course. Some people may know you, but um, there's a lot of people who may not know you and your journey. So if you want to talk a little bit about how um, you got into PT and your journey currently and currently where you are today. Yeah. So first off, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Sorry it's taken this long for us to get connected for the show. Most of you guys out there, if you do know me, it's through Squat University, which is my online platform brand that I started in 2015, basically as my outlet as a physical therapist and strength conditioning coach, basically just to share my knowledge and what I've learned over the time from my experiences as a physical therapist, as strength and conditioning and weightlifting coach, and also from those who have come before me, sort of share all that to the world in my way of doing so. Um, I graduated with my doctorate in physical therapy from the University of Missouri in 2012, and I've been out in Kansas City uh, ever since practicing at a place called Boost Physical Therapy and Sports Performance. Um, we're a small clinic uh, out here in Kansas City. We've got about seven locations, and uh, we were just acquired by a much larger uh, physical therapy and strength conditioning sports performance company called Exos, which I know some people are uh, uh, very familiar with uh, last year. So we're under a bigger umbrella right now. Um, but we're still a very smaller company as far as the way we do things out here. When most people, I'm guessing most people that listen to this show are very into uh, our young physical therapists. Um, when you walk into a boost physical therapy and sports performance, it doesn't look like the common physical therapy location. Most outpatient physical therapy locations are sort of in that sort of strip mall building or a medical building and you walk in and there's a bunch of plinths, medical beds, and it's all carpeted and a couple small dumbbells and some weight racks and that's about it. Boost is very different. When you walk in, 
we've probably got Lil Wayne playing in the background. Um, there's a 40 yard turf football field, um, a number of beds, obviously, but we have a ton of different weights. I mean, I have my own Aleka weightlifting set um, and platform, a number of power racks. We use Kaiser equipment, which is all powered by air pressure. Uh, we can do a number of different exercises on it. So it's, it's just a different feel and look when you walk into a boost. And our goal in that is to really cater to the high level performance athlete and individual in a way that's not often replicated in physical therapy. So that's where I started in 2012. And ever since then, I have just been sort of mixing uh, what I've learned as a physical therapist, what I've continued to learn since graduating with my experiences as a weightlifter. I competed in weightlifting starting in 2005 all the way through I think my last weightlifting meet was in 2016, so over a decade of weightlifting experience competitively, and just sort of blend those two together into trying to help as many people as possible now through the fun social media uh, platforms that we have today. And here you are now. And we want to get a little bit more into like why physical therapy for you, because we have a lot of current students listening to mm -hmm. this and they want to yep. know like, how did you, first of all, like want to go to physical therapy school? And then how was your journey through that? Yeah. So I think it all stems back to like, what is your why for doing everything? There's a lot of books about that. I know Simon Sinek had this amazing Ted talk called start with why. And it's basically from a most basic premise, what is your reason for doing anything in life? And I really think for me, it's trying to help others in a way in which I have been helped in the past. When I was a young and up and coming athlete, I got injured all the time. I mean, I remember when I was a high schooler, um, I ended up hurting my shoulder during football, which didn't really bleed over into football too much. But when it came time for baseball, I went from one of the best arms on the team to one of the worst arms on the team. And I couldn't even make the throw from the outfield to second base without skipping it, which I mean, as a baseball player, not a very good outfielder if you can't make a long throw. So I went to physical therapy myself when I was younger and experienced what it felt like to just be so upset and degraded as to why you couldn't be an athlete to perform the way you were used to your whole life and how an injury just completely takes that away from you. It makes you feel like a shell of yourself. And then also what it feels like when you have someone that's like, hey, I can help you. I can put you back together. I can help rebuild you without surgery often, you know, and what it feels like to finally get back onto the field and performing at your best. And then as luck would have it, you know, or fate would have it, I ended up injuring myself over and over again as an undergrad in competitive weightlifting. I mean, we push ourselves to the max all the time. I'd end up with so many injuries and just sort of, you know, learning myself how to put myself back together with as much reading and learning and understanding as I could do and trying to talk to different teachers. You know, that really became my mission is, Hey, I know what this feels like both to be from the injured standpoint as an athlete, but also what it feels like to get back and not injured anymore and perform it once again. I'm like, that's what I want to bring to the world. So that's why I started going down the route as a physical therapist, because there's also that, that connection that you have with patients that you don't get in the other medical fields. Like as a medical doctor, you only see that person for the initial evaluation. I mean, obviously during surgery, if you're a surgeon and then the few follow-ups after, and sure you make a huge change as a surgeon whenever you're you know, reconstructing someone's ACL or repairing a shoulder labrum. 
but the connection that you have with a patient is so different as a physical therapist because you're spending so much time with them one-on-one or, you know, just over the years. Um, it's a totally different relationship and it's something that definitely drives me to become a better physical therapist every single day. And that's incredible. And I know it's, it may seem like a very generic story, like, Oh, you got injured and then you went to PT and now you're a PT, Mm -hmm. but it's so powerful. And I'm curious as well, did you ever end up having surgery or were you always able to kind of build yourself again from physical therapy? Yeah, I've never had an orthopedic physical therapy. I have had a heart surgery on something unrelated before, but I have not had um, any orthopedic surgeries before. I've had a number of injuries that have taken me out of weightlifting competitively for a couple months at a time, but yeah, nothing uh, that has ever required surgery um, orthopedically. Okay. Nice. And was there ever one particular moment that you can think of where you were like, physical therapy is what I'm doing? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think entering uh, undergrad, you know, there was a couple different routes that you could go. I went to Truman State University, and I'm getting into my like freshman level classes. And I'm not the kind like I'm a great student when I like learning what I'm learning. Like you should see the amount of research I've piled up in my office upstairs at my house. It's just ungodly. The amount of like research on anything you could think, weightlifting, squatting, deadlifting, rate of force development, exercise science. Like I used to sit in the back of pediatric class, reading the journal of strength conditioning research. Cause I was so bored at what I was learning, which for any of you out there, like don't blow off pediatric class. There are some interesting things that you can learn in there. Looking back that do apply to physical therapy now, even if you're not in pediatrics, but going through school, like biology's dumb. I hated biology. I hated chemistry. And I remember sitting in the back of biology at uh, Truman State as a freshman, falling asleep in class. It was so boring learning about mitochondria and all the stuff like that. And I think I got like, I had a horrible gradient. I got like a D or something my very first year in school and ended up still getting into physical therapy school. So it didn't kill me that bad. But it was just like, this is not the route that I want to take as far as the learning in, to get into medical school. You obviously have to go way more in depth into the sciences than the physical sciences of what physical therapy offers. Biomechanics, kinesiology, you know, exercise physiology, I guess is sort of a blend of it, but still also it's application into human performance. But I was just so done with the in-depth sciences that I felt didn't have direct carryover into what I wanted to do, which was actually reach out, touch people and help them in their, you know, physical lives at this moment. And when I found different classes like exercise physiology and physical therapy, pre-physical therapy and kinesiology, I was like, this is what I want to do. Like I can study that. I can see the person. I can, you know, understand how a change in knee valgus affects foot stability and rate of force development, ground reaction forces. And I was like, that's what I want to do. I don't want to have to be stuck in a chem lab doing chemistry while some people do love that and we need those people to be eventually to become surgeons and stuff like that. Like that wasn't where I wanted to take it. So it's, it's like one of those things. It's like whenever I find something that I was really interested in, man, I'll go down the rabbit hole as deep as you want to learn all that stuff. But I really didn't enjoy the basic sciences as to what drove you to become a medical doctor. So the physical therapy route was way more up my alley. Yeah, no, that is super interesting. And I think we're all that way, especially, you know, as you're applying to PT school, you do need these prereqs, but totally get it with the chemistry 
mm-hmm. and the lab and you're like, this is not what I came here to do. <laughs> but I have, you know, you just, it's one barrier you just have to get through to get um, to your ultimate goal. If you're applying to PT school to be in, to be in it. And um, when you started PT school, uh, did you go through a transition period or how overall um, were you as a physical therapy student? I mean, I guess I was a pretty good physical therapy student. I was never the one that was like straight acing every single test, I guess. Um, it was much more interesting than I think a lot of my undergrad classes, some of them, um, just because obviously they're all related specifically to your profession. But I did enjoy physical therapy school and just everything that went along with it. I'm always one that like, it does not matter. And this is what I always tell students. It's like when you come to me as a, as a physical therapy student and you're finally getting out in the real world and doing your clinical rotations and I see you write an evaluation and it's a great evaluation. The way you are taught to write a soap note in school, it's like this long drawn out 10 pages and like you have 15 goals that are each 10 paragraphs long. And I'm like, look, in the real world, that does not matter. Like long in depth goals. And I'm sorry if there's any teachers listening to this, it really does not matter. Like you need to understand where you need to go with your goals and how you're setting a plan of care. But having the ability to write an amazing soap note does not make you a good physical therapist at all. So it's like when you're in school, yes, you need to get good grades because that does matter with understanding the basic level of evidence and understanding to let you pass the boards. But you need to, as a student, take it upon yourself to learn what you need to learn that will allow you to become a good clinician. Because there's a difference between someone who's book smart and a good clinician. Because anyone can get straight A's on tests and write beautiful soap notes. But it takes a totally different person to be a good clinician that can not only create a good plan of care that's individualized to the person, hit all their weak links on what they need to do to progress back to 100%, but also connect with that person in verbalized communication that they understand. Like so many students, they're just so caught up in the ivory tower of how we teach that they can't even have a basic conversation with another human being because that person doesn't have a doctorate level you know, degree. Like you have to come down and speak on their language, which is why you often won't hear me use terminology that's, you know, ivory tower speak. I like speaking gym talk because people understand that. And it's still based in the same understanding of what we learn in school, but it's delivered to people in a way in which everyone can understand. And when you can get on that level as a physical therapist, that's when I think you can make the biggest change uh, in other people's lives. And that's an amazing mindset that every student needs to understand or like get on board with because I love that the ivory towers speak like that's so true. (laughs) People were taught that and we are surrounded by other people who are going for the doctorate of physical therapy and we get used to it. And did you always have that mindset when you were going through school? Like, how was that? Oh, probably, which is probably why I was, uh, often probably looked at as a slacker in some areas because I'm like, cool, I got an A minus or a B plus on this test. Like, awesome. I'm going to go read journal of strength conditioning workout and get to my weightlifting practice right now. Like I'm not sweating bullets to try to get an A plus on this cardiopulmonary test. And there's a lot of people that will obviously take that the wrong way. Like I, I do think school is very important, but the ability to memorize and regurgitate information that gets you good grades doesn't mean that automatically you're going to be able to function as a good clinician, which is where I'm going. Yeah, that's probably always the the way in which I've sort of approached things. No, that's so true too, because 
you have to learn that, you know, you're in physical therapy school for a reason. But like you said, if you're just trying to get it because you want to ace all the exams and, you know, graduate past the boards, there's always going to be subtle or even big differences between a person who can't communicate with a patient, can't, like you said, individualize an AGP or just be able to connect on a level to what they understand. And I think you hit that right on the head because it is so true. Absolutely. And for your first clinical, mm-hmm. how was that experience for you? Gosh, I was trying to think back. My first clinical rotation, we had to choose between a hospital or a SNF location. And I ended up getting placed in a SNF with a really cool CI. I really liked her. And here's, it was really crazy because what would happen is I would live in Columbia, which is in the middle of Missouri. I would drive a half an hour to our first location, see people at the SNF for like four hours. Then we'd drive another half an hour away from there uh, to see more people. And I would drive an hour back to Columbia every single day. So I put on a lot of miles on my car. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was interesting as all clinical rotations that are not in your uh, desired field are. Um, but I think having a great CI makes all the difference. Absolutely. And what made your CI a great CI for you? She was just a cool down to earth person. Like she knew this isn't the setting that I wanted to be in, but she just made it fun. Like we, we were able to talk all the time. She wasn't, uh, you know, she quizzed me here and there, but she was just a, a cool down to earth person. Like she wasn't here to hound you on all your A's, B's and C's of, of physical therapy. She was here to teach you as much as possible and give you advice when you needed it and um, understand when it's the right time to allow someone to start doing an evaluation on their own. Like the thing you, you always hear horror stories of like, Oh, I got to my first clinical and my CI gave me a packet and said, Hey, here's your first evaluation. Like go do it on your own. And you're like, uh, you get those huge eyes. You're like, I have to go do an evaluation on my own. I've never done that before. Like, I think a good CI understands that you are there as a student to learn. And the last thing you want to do is throw them into the fire when they're not ready yet. Now, obviously, there's a, eventually a time where you sort of need to just get kicked into the deep end and see if you can swim. But, you know, a good CI doesn't do that until you're ready. And I think the makings of a good CI understands when that's the right time. I love that. A lot of people listening are probably like, oh, yeah, great CIs <laughs> do exactly that. They don't throw you into the fire. And I know maybe there's a right time, like you said, to see if you're able to swim, like throw you in there and see if mm-hmm. you can swim, but not on day one, maybe not yeah. even day two. <laughs> exactly. I love that. Go ahead, Gabby. You were oh, no. Oh, no, I was going to say, um, so at, at what point did you start, you know, Squat University and when did you want to build your platform um, to where it is today? Yeah, so I had been out of school for, let's see, over three years at the time that I started Squire University. And what really happened was I had gotten out of school and I had started writing research. And just because I thought, you know, the best physical therapist, they have more letters behind their name and they write research. That's how they get notarized. I mean, that's how people understand who you are. And, you know, if you want to excel in the field of physical therapy you have to make your voice known and I was writing research and it just wasn't what I thought it was going to be I mean if you think about it when you write a research article like six people max read your article and one of them is going to be your mom because you have to share your research with your mom when it gets published so like you're not really 
basically making as much of an impact as I wanted to by writing research. And I sat down one day and I'm like, look, like there's got to be a way to reach the people that I want to reach. And I was just like, I want to write a book. So I started writing the book, which eventually became the Squat Bible, which is basically my way of helping teach people how to squat. Now, here's the reason I decided to write a book on squatting, because most people are like, that's a dumb idea. There's, you know, it's the squat. What do you do? It's down and back up. It could be 55 pages. Um, is basically as I was going through my years as a physical therapist, as a young physical therapist, there's times during every every single one of these evaluations where you're trying to figure out why is someone in pain, hip pain, knee pain, back pain, obviously not post-op. They're just having regular pain. We have to be detective and figure out why is that person in pain? There comes our movement screen as a physical therapist. And time and time again, I'm seeing these amazing athletes. They're super strong in every sense of the word. They're performance driven athletes. But when it came down to the time where I was like, all right, I want you to take your shoes off and just show me a double leg squat, squat down as deep as you can. And then perform a single leg squat as deep as you can, because a squat's not only on two feet, but also on one feet, one foot. And time and time again, I was seeing the best athletes in the area fail to perform a basic bodyweight squat. They looked horrible time and time again. I mean, there was, I think in all my years as a physical therapist, I've seen one athlete do a very good quality single leg squat all the way down and they were in pain. Other than that, they just look horrible. And I'm like, how are we, it's like this deja vu moment. It just happened time and time again. I'm like, why are we having these amazing athletes perform to such a high degree on the field of play or in the weight room, yet they can't perform a basic movement pattern as a squat. And it dawned on me that we as a society have rearranged our athletic priorities to such an extent that we care so much about how much we produce, how strong, how fast, how big we are, yet we don't really care or put on the same level of importance how well we're moving and especially with the squat which i believe is like one of the cornerstone movement fundamental movements that we as humans can perform so it just came down to let's teach people how to squat here's a very simple way to teach people how to screen ankle mobility and hip mobility and if you find problems how to fix it and let's do it in this systematic way called the joint by joint approach which again as a dwarf standing on the shoulders of giants this is something that gray cook mike boyle would have they, you know what they have written extensively on but i'm taking that and then sort of making it my own and saying hey guys here's a very simple way to screen your squat and understand the deficits that you find how to put them together so that you can not only fix your movement problems but also excel to a high degree whenever you're able to move from a better base of movement. And sort of, I, I wrote this really long book and I was like, hey, how do I publish it? And one of my friends basically uh, gave me this clue. He's like, hey, you need to check out this guy named Gary Vaynerchuk. And Gary V basically is a, I guess you would say he's a person that deals with how to grow a brand the right way. In teaching people that if you want to have any type of business, you have to have a good social media presence, but you have to go about it in a way that's not selling, selling, selling. It's growing a brand the right way by delivering valuable info to people for 100% free. Give, 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 and then you can ask in the end. And I was like, you know what? That's exactly right. So I started Squat University in 2015 basically as my outlet to help as many people as possible, decrease aches and pains, improve technique and lifting, 
find their true athletic potential when you do move well and use good technique and sort of combine it, everything that I had learned up to that point and continued to learn thereafter and just gave it out to the world for 100% free. And what I would do is I would just post on Instagram every single day. I would write long form blog posts. I would do Snapchat. I would do Facebook. I would do uh, YouTube, which I've recently gotten more into. I've done podcasts. Basically just like every single way I know possible, help other people with the ways in which I know best, which is written word, speaking, and video. And sort of it took off after that. And that started only four years after you graduated from PT school? Yes. And I'm glad that I did not start it beforehand because one of the things I always tell young students is you don't know what you don't know. As a new grad, you basically just were given a diploma to start learning for real. And I'm glad that at the time I didn't have the available option or ideas to start Squat University because I, looking back, I wasn't ready yet to start teaching others. There was still so much I had left to learn before I was then ready to start teaching others. Um, when there's nothing wrong with starting things much earlier, but for me personally, I knew that the, looking back, I'm glad because I, I'm, I think there was a lot of mistakes that I would have made early on in the content I was delivering at the time. Um, so I'm glad I started a little bit later. But yeah, 2015, um, a couple years after I graduated, finally, I started Squaw University. And I think that's still pretty soon. Like, that's incredible. That's only a few years out of PT school. And yep. there you are starting something that you have no idea what it's going to turn into. <laughs> and today, when did you actually hit your, your new milestone? Was that last week? I hit a million followers on Instagram uh, this past Sunday morning. So I checked it when I went to sleep at like 1130 and it was like 200 away. And then I woke up at like nine and I saw a flip, which is sort of cool. Nice. Congratulations, first of all. <laughs> Thank it you. Is. Thank you. No, that's a, that's a huge milestone. And sometimes you're like, ah, oh, it isn't about the followers, but it's more of just thinking about where you started and how much you've grown um, and your mindset and, you know, so many things to where you are today. I mean, it's, it's great to have that reflection and to, just to look back and just see like where you, where you were to where you are currently. Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy to see. I mean, the big thing, like, yes, you said it is important to understand, like, it's not about, you know, how many followers you have. It's about the connections that you have with the followers and the quality of your connection between the two. I mean, I remember when I started off and I was like, holy crap, I have 500 followers. That just blows my mind. Oh, and then the week after it was like, oh, it's up to a thousand. Like, this is crazy to see where it's going. And the big thing I want people to understand is like, for stuff like this, it's, it's not like, yes, it happened in four years, but I had to work my face off to get there. Like what I would do, uh, one thing that happened early on is I would just put up a post and I'd say, hey, who needs help with their squat DM me? And the first day I got like 10 DMs. And I would sit there on Thursday, my one day off from clinic work, and I'll just direct message them back. Hey, Sally, like, you know, let me like, what, how can I help you? She's like, oh, you know, my knee caves in when I squat. I go, all right, send me a video. And then, all right, try this test. And we just go back and forth. And I did that with 10 people and it took a couple hours. And then a week later, you know, I did it again. And this time I had 40 DMs. And I got up to the point where I was spending like four hours 
every single day, just sitting in direct messages, just messaging people back, trying to help each and every single person that I came in contact with. There wasn't a day that a direct message went untouched. You know, I tried as much as possible to make those one-on-one connections. And I think when people are trying to grow something very big, you have to understand that it comes with those one-on-one connections and trying to to help and make a big difference in someone's life. And when you can do that, you're going to go about growing in a good way in a, in the right way. You're not just growing for likes and growing for, you know, more and more reach or for something to go viral. I've never had something go viral. You know, it's, it's just slow and steady, but when you go about things the right way, which I hope I've been doing, you know, I think you can really make a change in, in impact in people's life, people's life. And it's, it's going to make a big difference in the world. And is this where you expect it to be? I, it's a tough thing to say because I know that this is a hundred percent the reason I was put here. You know what I'm saying? As far as like, I know that my niche is weightlifting, powerlifting, CrossFit, physical therapy, all smashed together. And I have a ton, a ton of passion for that niche and everything that I do with it. If you can't tell. Um, (laughs) I just, I can talk about it all day long and it's something I love to do and I have a lot of passion for it. So whenever I find something that I know that I can excel at and that I'm also passionate about, the sky's the limit in my opinion. So would I say, oh, I for sure knew there'd be a million followers one day. No, but to the point to where I'm like, I want to be the very best at what I do because I know this is what I'm put here to do. Like that's where I knew I would excel. And it's just been crazy to see sort of where it's gone right now and sort of where it's going to go. Because I know one of the biggest thing is that, you know, it's always important no matter how big things get to be very humble in your approach, to understand that someone's taking time out of their day to listen to you or to take time out of their day to watch your video. And I'm very grateful that people have done that and hopefully will continue to do so. And there's a quote that always resonated with me. It's that most people overestimate what they can do in a year and underestimate what they can do in a decade. And I think that definitely holds true for Squat University because I've had big aspirations for where I want to go and what I want to do. And I've hit a lot of those so far, but I know there's so much more to go. So I'm very excited to see where the train takes me. That's incredible. And it's, it's a great feeling to know like that, that you're hitting goals and knowing that you, you have goals that you, you want to hit eventually. So if you had to say, I know this question, sometimes it's, it's hard to answer, but a year from now, where, where do you want to be um, with Squat University and, you know, even yourself? Yeah. Um, my goal is to put out my second book next year sometime. Um, it is going to be a much more in-depth book than the first one. The first one is very uh, niche as far as uh, on the squat specifically. This next book is going to be basically um, a blueprint for how people can fix their own injuries without having to go the traditional medical route of getting an MRI on their back and telling them they have a disc bulge and take a leave and two weeks off training. Like, you know, that model is broken. So we need to find a new way to help treat people. And I think the way is to be proactive. So basically I'm writing a book that's going to be uh, the, the big difference maker in allowing athletes and coaches to have the upper hand and understand how to empower themselves to fix their small aches and pains that come up in training. Um, 
And if they do need help, then eventually go see a physical therapist. But basically, I want this to be the first line of defense uh, because what we're doing today uh, currently I don't think is good enough, and I think we can be better. So that's going to be sort of my, my next challenge is to, to finish this second book and, and get it out eventually. I'm really excited for this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible because we need something like that. People need something because they don't know, like as physical therapy students or as physical therapists, like, you know, that's not the ways that people should be treated, but mm -hmm. people in the public don't always know that. And we're not always there to educate them that that's not the right way. And so that'll be so great. And I know I'll be one of the first people to buy that. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> Especially with uh, keep hurting myself as a student <laughs> trying to train and stuff, but <laughs> I'm excited for it for sure. Thank you. Yeah. And was there a moment that inspired you to write that? Um, yeah, yeah. I think it was basically just my sort of, as soon as I wrote the squat Bible, I just sat down the next day. I'm like, what's next kind of thing. Like my goal has always been to continue to grow as a clinician, as a physical therapist and sort of what was the next step. And it's basically, all right, well, that was, that first book was just very uh, to the point on one specific movement, I'm like, what is the overall theme of what I do? And that's basically combining strength and conditioning principles, weightlifting, powerlifting, CrossFit, and physical therapy. So basically, what is the antithesis of that is that is a combination of a book that leads people to understand how to uh, work through aches and pains that come up no matter who you are. I mean, as a weightlifter, I've had so many injuries and continue to do so. Um, and as an athlete, I mean, you're just left guessing. You're like, you know, your knee starts hurting one day. You're like, what do I do? I can Google how to treat knee pain. And then you're going to get 15 blogs, 10 of which are crap, five of which don't pertain to you, you know, and you just, it's hard to tell. And then the way in which our current medical system set up, you have to pay a lot to go to a physical therapist. You know, hopefully you have health insurance, if not cash based, hopefully there's someone near you. That's even a good clinician because you know, I'm not going to skate around corners that there's a lot of bad physical therapists out there, you know, and there's many people who, if I had an athlete come to me with knee pain, they're like, you know, and I wasn't going to be there the next day. And obviously I'm not having them come to our company. If I had to tell them a recommendation, it's tough sometimes because there's a lot of physical therapists out there who have no idea what a single leg squat looks like. There's physical therapists that have, you know, no idea what a deadlift is or a low bar back squat. Yet you're going to tell me that you're here to fix sports injuries. Like you need to be able to immerse yourself in what is sports training. And my goal has always been, I enjoy really speaking to the athlete and the coach, probably because that's who I am before I was ever a physical therapist. So it's been one of those things that I wanted to write something to help those people. Yeah, that, that is so good. Like, because that is needed in the state of our profession right now and just knowing that um that <laughs> that you're going to be doing this and there will be a resource out there it's gonna it's really going to change hopefully the way uh some people perceive physical therapy because i feel like well that that's another conversation for another day about <laughs> uh, i don't want to go down that rabbit hole but <laughs> <laughs> well the positive thing too is I think there will also be a lot of benefit for the young clinician as well in reading the book because it's going to walk you through every single part of the body, back pain, hip pain, knee pain, shoulder pain, elbow pain, Achilles tendinopathy, 
and it's going to teach you exactly how to understand and screen the body correctly understand where the injury is from a movement first perspective not a pathological anatomical way of understanding things and how to go about fixing things appropriately for an athlete um, and i think it can have a lot of carryover there's going to be a lot of a lot of cited research in it as well even though it's going to be written in a way that anyone can understand it's going to be backed by science i think i just got done writing and putting the back chapter together I think it's 60 pages single spaced right now with 129 cited research articles. So it'll be, it'll be pretty in depth compared to my first book, which was only 128 pages. Uh, so this one's going to be a little bit more, a little thicker, but it's going to be, I think it'll have application to where anyone, a strength and conditioning coach, an athlete, a young physical therapist can pick it up, read it, understand it and apply it uh, to their practice. That'll be great for every student out there. <laughs> Hopefully, I mean, wait, you said this time next year-ish, about next year? That's the goal. Yes. Then okay. we'll still be able to read it before we yes. graduate, Gabby. Exactly. <laughs> we'll be the first ones. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll see about that, <laughs> but hopefully. But that's so exciting. I know we've talked about a lot of, like, great um, insights and advice, but for um, a current PT student or an aspiring PT student, what, ad what advice uh, would you give? Man, the biggest thing I would tell people is that you need to go more than what you're learning just in school to be a good physical therapist. School is just there to get you to the point where you can pass your boards. Being a good physical therapist is about going outside of school and diving into research and books and videos and learning from others who have come before us. Um, I mean, if you're trying to be in the sports physical therapy world, you need to be reading Gray Cook. The book Movement must be a first read. Um, Callie Starrett, Becoming a Supple Leopard. That's a huge book. Um, if you're into running, there's uh, Anatomy for Runners uh, by Jay Dykery, I believe is the name. Like, that's an amazing book. Um, you need to watch every single mobility wad that's on YouTube. They're all for free still. Um, there's just so much out there that is available for free or for a small price that can get you to the next level. Um, go outside the physical therapy realm. Like I've learned so much from those who are strength and conditioning coaches. Um, read Eric Cressy. He's got so much stuff. Um, if you're looking, obviously physical therapy still, Mike Reinold, he puts out a lot of great stuff. Dave Tilly, he puts stuff out, uh, more gymnastics realm. Um, but there's so much stuff that's out there. You just need to go and read and watch videos and, and do things more than just go to physical therapy school. Because at the end of the day, if all you did was go to physical therapy school, get straight A's and pass through boards, you're telling me that you're a great scholastic physical therapist, but I'm looking for more if you want to be a good clinician. And the way in which you do that is you have to have that self-motivation to go above and beyond and find things and go down the rabbit hole for where you want to be. And obviously, I went down sports physical therapy. My wife's a physical therapist, and she couldn't care any more about sports physical therapy. She does neurophysical therapy. So there's a lot more that she learns way down that route. I would be completely lost if I went into her clinic nowadays with all the stuff that I've forgotten. So it's all about finding sort of what is your drive. I love that. And students listening take that to heart, like actually listen to all of the advice that you're getting on this episode because it's so crucial. And 
for the people listening who are currently struggling in PT school, what advice would you give them about just how to continue pushing through when things are getting really tough? I mean, the biggest thing is just asking for help when you know you need help. I mean, there's nothing wrong with going to a teacher and be like, hey, I'm struggling with this class or this material, I'm not getting it, or this is really tough and putting things together. There's, I think a lot of people are sometimes so prideful that they don't want to just ask other people for help or teachers for help. And there's nothing wrong with it. But also understanding that where you're at, like, you know, sometimes you just got to put in more work. And a lot of times nowadays with all the stuff that's going on in society, especially at universities, like Mizzou has like, I think a safe zone now, like in their physical therapy school, like stuff like that you wouldn't see years ago. I think to a point sometimes I feel like some students just get very soft and they don't want to put in the hard work. Like if you got to stay up till three in the morning to cram for this examination and then read this and read that and get to here and like also go to school and work if you need to a part-time job, like that's what you got to do sometimes. And life is hard work. When I was going through physical therapy school, I had a, uh, I had a clinic where I was working with Mizzou athletic performance and I had to wake up at four 30 in the morning to get there because we had to be there with the off with all the other strength conditioning coaches at five in the morning to set up and then six o'clock meetings. And then we're going all day long. And then we had our own training and stuff like that. And we wouldn't get home till like 10 or 11 at, at night sometimes. And some of the other guys I'm with are complaining and they're like, Oh, we were told this is only a 40 hour week clinical. I'm like, who freaking cares? Like you're here to learn and to put in the work, like you need to be doing these grunt hours. You need to be taking long times uh, with all your different things to learn and immerse yourself. And yeah, it's going to be tough. It's no one said grad school is easy. So it's, sometimes it's more or less just like, hey, know when to ask for help. Talk to people about it if you're struggling and need some help with stuff and get a study partner and things like that. But then also sometimes it's like, hey, quit complaining you made it this far, it's going to be tough work, put in the work and get to it. You know, like life's tough sometimes. And a lot of people don't want to hear that. Yeah. A lot of people don't want to hear that, or they just want to do the bare minimum to, to get by. And you have to do so much more, like you said, and that I really hope, like Sarah said, this motivates students that what you're learning in PT school, yes, it's super important, but you do need to do a lot outside the classroom and this is like for me this is kind of at my point where I want to learn more because there are things that I learned my first year that I'm not as comfortable with and in order to get better I need to you know dive into to some areas where I know I'm struggling now and I don't want to struggle in the future. Yeah, dive in that rabbit hole, Gabby. <laughs> a long way down but lots of stuff to learn along the way and it's a journey. For sure. So we just want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I know it's been a long time in the making. You've got so much going on. So we appreciate it so much. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our Instagram and Facebook page linked in the description.